This is Coach Nicole with Thrive Differently. And I am so pumped to have Christian Carson on with me today. And just a little introduction. Christian Carson is an accomplished preacher, teacher, recording artist, musician, and television producer. Christian is the oldest of five children and comes from an eclectic family of preachers, teachers, singers, and musicians. Born and raised in Washington, D.C. and the Prince George County area, raise it up. Much of his flair and vibrancy stems from his inner city roots. Christian has produced several notable music works in international film and even partnered with the multiple Grammy Award winning and gospel music icon Ty Tribbett as he launched his dynamic revolutionary ministry, Live Church Orlando. Combining profound revelations with creative presentations, Christian quickly became known for his real, relevant, and radical preaching style. He has partnered with the Disney Broadcast Company as a television producer and is accredited on multiple television productions with the Disney Channel, ABC, the NFL, the Travel Channel, and so many more. I am so honored to have you and your beautiful soul here, Christian. How are you today? Oh, I'm doing amazing. First of all, that bio, I wasn't expecting you to read that whole thing. I was just going back in my mind like, man, I did some things in this life. <laughs> you sure did. And that's why we're here, right? We got to highlight thrive. you. We got to thrive differently, baby. We got to thrive differently. Yes, I am so pumped. I want everybody to hear your voice and your vibes. Thank you for being here. I love having you here. You are doing huge things. Pleasure. And I would love for you to share with all of the listeners a little bit about who you are and what you do. Okay. My name is Christian. Strange as it is to say, I am a pastor. I never imagined being in this field. I never imagined saying a sentence like that. But I'm a pastor at a church here in Nashville, Tennessee called Mount Zion Church, which is actually registered as the largest church in the whole state of Tennessee. We classify 30,000 members as of now and counting at four different locations in the Middle Tennessee area. And I primarily work out of our Old Hickory Boulevard location where all of our college students come. And uh, man, I'm a married man. I have a beautiful wife named Tasha Carson. She serves as the Associate Vice President of Tennessee State University. And so we both have just dedicated our lives to young people, like to try to represent a change, a positive influence to young people. I'm born and raised on the East Coast, Washington, D.C. So it's a lot of East Coast still in my blood and in my slang and the way I talk and the food I like. But now we're here in Tennessee, just trying to better the community, man. Thank you for having me. I'm super honored. I met Nicole. Listeners, listen to this. I met Nicole just recently. We literally met like within the last 30 to 60 days. And we're like family already. It's like I met her kids. I know her brothers and sisters. We're so locked in on just what it means to be a member of this community. And so I'm so happy to be here with you. And I'm excited for this conversation. You just treat everyone with such warmness and kindness and we just vibed. And I think also because we're both East Coasters, because I'm from oh, Jersey, now. like oh, we're kind of neighbors. Northeast, baby. We got to yeah. stick to <laughs> Oh my gosh. No, I love it. Just getting to know you, getting to know Tasha. There's just been so much innovation that you've created in this community in Nashville in general, but on a grander scale. And I really wanted to talk about some of the approaches that you took in your business and life 
to innovate and to really thrive the way that you have, because it's been a really cool path. What really led you down that path to full-time ministry and producing? Wow. So th those are two different answers. I'm going to give them both quickly. I grew up in a very religious house, a family of believers, right? Such a gift to me because everybody doesn't get that experience. So at an early age, I believed in God. I had a relationship with God. But I started noticing in my teenage years that I wasn't really feeling church. I'm not going to hear a lot of pastors talk like this. It's many people's experience that there's a lot of hypocrisy in the church. There's a hierarchy in the church. The church is very cliquish. It's not very embracing or warm to people they don't know or different cultures, different demographics. And so because of that, I'm going to do my own little relationship with God on the side. I'm not really feeling the whole church thing. And so I majored in music in college. Music was a passion of mine. My dad is like the patriarch of just like my entire family, obviously, uh, loving music, right? My dad plays at different instruments. My brother's a singer and producer. My younger brother's a drummer. My sister's a dancer. My other sister's a singer. I play the piano. I play the drum. I sing. I rap. We just came up in that kind of house where music is always being played. Music is always being practiced. And so I knew I wanted to break into the music industry, right? I went to college close to my house and I did a rebellious Got a rebellious thing to my parents. When I graduated, I immediately moved out. I went down to Orlando, Florida. And this is how the stories collide from a producer to pastor. I moved to Orlando. I signed a publishing deal with a company called Studio 18 Publishing, where they publish a lot of like big records and license them all for like TV, film, all of those type of things. I signed a deal to be their head of production, right? So I'm doing music full time. They bought me a house, Nicole. It was nice. I'm living this musician's lifestyle. I started drifting further and further from God, but I'm going up in the music industry. Like I'm getting more known in the city. I'm getting bigger opportunities. I got an opportunity to be a, a television producer for Disney Broadcast Company. So I did a travel channel show about a young lady who goes to all of these different countries and plays with all these different animals. I did the Super Bowl parade when Patrick Mahomes won. I did New Year's Eve celebration, which is like the biggest production they do in front of the castle. Shaggy and Celine Dion, and all of these people are singing on the stage. I'm getting all of these different opportunities, but I'm realizing that my relationship with God is not where it should. And that's when I met a man by the name of Ty Trivet, who is a Grammy Award winning gospel singer. He's a pastor. He's just like a ball of energy. He's so infectious. But he's so real. He's so relevant, right? And so two of my friends invited me to his church. The first thing he says, he had just launched the church and he opens up about infidelity in his marriage, mistakes that he made as a young man. And it's like, I'm hearing him literally tell us about his shortcoming. And I had never seen a pastor do that. I had only seen pastors look perfect and look better than everybody else. That's all I had really been exposed to outside of my dad, because my dad was a very integral pastor. I never saw a pastor who was humble, who was loving, who was welcoming. I never saw it. And so I'm watching this man, and I'm like, yo, this dude's a celebrity. He don't have to do this. He don't have to get up onto this stage and tell us his dirty laundry and tell us how he's not perfect. He would seemingly be unworthy. He would seemingly not be welcomed in the church based on the mistakes that he made. But God still loves him and accepts him and wants a relationship with him. So this guy, I can follow this guy, right? I can listen to this guy. And so I keep coming to the church, Nicole. And yo, I'm a fast forward because I'm going to the church for a year and a half, right? But because I'm not really super, let me get involved with the church. I'm like purposely sitting in the back, get my word, pay my tithes, get in my car as soon as I can and leave. 
after a year and a half of me just going to this guy's church, this is how I got involved in ministry. Literally, this is the story. I get an email from his sister and she's like, hey, Christian, we've been trying to get in touch with you. You never filled out a like membership card. So we didn't have your information. So we had to ask your friend what your email was. But pastor wants you to come to his house this Sunday. And so I'm immediately like nervous. And I'm like, why is he asking me to come to his house? Did I do something wrong? Is everything okay? When I get to his house, it's a bunch of people from the church there. And I'm like, what am I doing? Okay, I know her. I know him. Why are we here? He says, yo, me and my wife have been praying about it. We've been watching you guys. And we feel strongly that you are supposed to be the staff for this church. Never had a conversation with him before that. I was just going to the church as a member. And he's like, yo, we just been watching you. You don't know, but we watch the way you love people. We watch the way you worship. We watch how friendly you are. We just listen to how people talk about you. And you don't know that we were watching, but you guys are going to be our staff for this church moving forward. And I'm thinking in my head, Nicole, I'm like, man, this dude done lost his mind. Like, he don't know. <laughs> he don't know who's got in this room right now. I should not be in this room. Like, I do not qualify to be in this room. And I had to get out of that religious mindset that we have to qualify for a relationship with God. There is no qualification because none of us qualify. He literally goes around the room. He says, yo, let's go around the room and just say what you think you could do for the ministry, right? So I'm sitting in my chair, Nicole. Okay, I could play piano. Like, I could do that. You know what I mean? That's what I'm getting ready to say. is like, I can play in the band. Maybe that's what you want me to do. He gets around to me and he stops me. He didn't stop nobody else. But before I talk, he's like, hold up. Yo, you're supposed to be our youth pastor. I said, what? <laughs> I said, oh, this dude definitely ain't hearing God right now. He said, you're supposed to be our youth pastor, but go ahead and say what you was going to say. It's like a mad youth at our church. It's like mad people. And so, yo, he literally makes me the youth pastor of the church that day. I, like, trained under him for a year. And a year later, he's like, all right, bro, it's time to do the youth ministry. So I started doing youth ministry events, not knowing what I was doing, just trying to be real, just trying to be relevant. Just, yo, all I know is I don't want to model this after what I've seen. That's all I know. So let me just try to be my true authentic self. So we did hip hop worship. We did trap music. We played games. We brought in like random guests. We just did completely unorthodox things to thrive differently, if you will. By the time I left Orlando to come to Nashville with Tasha, our youth events were up to like easily 500 people each time we did it. Every Friday event we did, it was 500 people between the ages of 13 and 21 coming to these youth events, experiencing God in a different way. And uh, that kind of set me on my path to full-time ministry. He gave me my first time full-time ministry job, my first time sitting in his living room after never having a conversation with him. And he looked at me and said, yeah, you're going to be fantastic. True story. Oh my goodness. That is just, that's brilliant. So on one of my other episodes, I actually have my coach and mentor, Teresa, on. And it's just amazing how when you're put in front of the right person and your path can so quickly change. One of my first coaches that I had worked with, he sat me down and was like, Nicole, you need to get out of corporate. It's time. Like, go start your own thing. You have a calling and it's to do this. It's to help people yeah. on a grander scale, doing it the way that you do it. And listening to people because it's different, it's unique. And I'm like, what? I'm a single mom. Like, how am I going to just quit my job? And I did it because I, I just kept listening to it. And the wow. world kept telling me, this is what's going on. 
we all have experience of that one person who really changes the trajectory of what we thought our path was. Like we always think, oh, this is what I'm supposed to do. And you have this vision and then all of a sudden it's like, pivot. Here we go. Actually, this is it. So tell me about what you think having that mentor, that coach in your life and Ty, he saw something in you. What does that mean? And how are you using that in your practice today? Man, that is such a great question because you use the perfect word. He's like a coach. I never thought about it until you said it, but he's like a coach. He literally showed me how to perform well at my job and uh, gave me a blueprint. And the way I incorporate it today is I pass it along, right? So I identify stuff in young people now, college students in Nashville. And I'm like, yo, you got something, bro. You, it's deeper than this for you. Like, I know you just think you're in school right now. You're supposed to chase the girls and wear cool clothes. But yo, it's, you got something in you, yo. You're mm -hmm. a leader. You need to get involved in some organizations. You need to get involved with me. You need to volunteer with me at some of these juvenile detention centers and some of these homeless shelters. You need to get more involved and get more experiences because there's something in you. And so... I think coaches are super important. I think about David in the Bible, right? So David, everybody knows King David. He killed Goliath. David was like me. He was a musician, right? His job, he wrote the songs. He played the guitar. He wrote all of these songs. And his only job was to take care of the sheep. That was his only job, was to take care of the sheep. And God sent a coach or a prophet named Samuel to his father's house and says, yo, the next king is in your house. And the Bible says that his father sent his other seven sons and didn't call David. When it took someone like Samuel, where Samuel came to his house and looked at all seven of his brothers and was like, no, nah, this ain't it. And the Bible said the oldest son looked like he was the one that people would choose. But Samuel said, nah, you got another son. Where he's at? He said, we got David, but you don't want him. David ain't it. He said, nah, bring him here. Soon as he saw David, he said, yo, this is the one. This is going to be the next king. And sure enough, David was the next king. So that's just like a biblical example of coaching. It's so important to have somebody else who sees something in you, even when sometimes your own father don't see it, your own family don't see it, your friends don't see it. But yeah. most people, because of their insecurities, it's, y'all want you to do good, but not too good where I feel like you leaving me. But it takes a coach to come and pull you out from like those familiar settings to be like, no, there's something more in you. You got a purpose that's bigger than you, similar to what your coach did. Yeah, you got to get out of corporate. You got to give. Like, instead of building somebody else's company, build your own, right? And so that is so important and so pivotal in becoming who you are and in thriving differently is to understand your difference is what makes you necessary. Your difference is what makes you who you are. And people need to see it. It's so true. One of my favorites my favorite lines is from Jay-Z. It says, real, recognize real, and you're looking familiar. That is, to me, one of the things I live by because it's like when you see somebody and you feel that they're just being authentic and you're authentic, that's when you could truly see, hey, are we going to vibe or are we not? Sure. Is this a good match? And it's okay if we're not, but it's like it's a solid yes or no at that point. As long as we're both bringing authenticity to the table, you get to make a solid yes or no. It gets rid of that yeah. gray area. And I think it's really interesting the way that not only are you living it, you're also bringing on this legacy from Ty that is amazing. So you're allowing his gift to last beyond him. Absolutely. And now you're giving that Absolutely. to the youth and to all these other areas of life that you're just contributing, even in social interaction, like myself. My life is better because now you're in it, yeah. right? I mean, come on, man. I'm, that's why we're here, right? Because we appreciate each other. And that's the whole point is 
showcasing people who may not look or sound or act just like us, but how by being authentic and being honestly fucking kind, we can still come together. For sure. We don't have to agree on everything. If you can see someone and say, hey, I love that. And I can sit with you in it, even if I don't agree with it. That's a beauty. That is so good. That is so good, yo. Can I just say what you just said is literally what the church is missing. It's yo, we could disagree on things, but I love you still. We're missing that as a whole. And that's what I try to represent. I don't agree with everything you do and you definitely not gonna agree with everything I do. But I love you and I'm here for you and we can talk through it and we can still do life together and have relationship together. Even with our disagreements, that blessed me right there because that is encouraging to find other people who think that way. I guess that kind of leads to a question I did have. What are the some of these misconceptions around faith that you've seen? And how are you incorporating more inclusive language to bring more people into the church? I'll do the misconceptions first and then I'll do inclusivity. Perfect. Um, One of the biggest misconceptions is that faith is certainty. That's a huge misconception. It's like, Faith means you can't question God and you can't never have doubts. And it's just, that's not true. The Bible says faith is the evidence of what you don't see. So faith is only present in a situation where you don't understand. I don't get this. I don't see this, but I'm going to have faith. It's going to be split seconds where it's like there's a shred of doubt that you have to experience. But that doubt only creates room for your faith. That doubt creates a space for you to be like, even though I don't understand in this moment, even though I don't know in this moment, I still going to put my faith in this situation. And so that's the first thing I would tell people who are listening to this podcast. It's like your doubts don't disqualify you from being a person of faith. The biggest misconception from people is that church is God. It is not. So when I say I'm a Christian, right, forget pastor. If I say I'm a Christian, the first thing people say is, oh, so you go to church. Yeah, I go to church. Oh, so that means you can't drink. That means you can't. Why is Christianity defined by can't? It's affirmative belief. It means I do believe something. It's not in this box of a Christian means you go to church, you don't smoke, you don't cuss, you don't drink. And so the misconception is that church is monolithic. We all supposed to be one way, dress one way, sing the same songs, have the same presentation. And that's just trash to me. It's like my whole ministry is built on being different, on being innovative. Yo, it don't look like what you're used to. And we still got God over here. I think the biggest misconception is that the church is supposed to change people. The church feels this responsibility to change people. That is not our responsibility. According to the Bible, as the church, we have one responsibility, and you already said it. That is to love people. Yo, I love this so much because if you just simply read the Bible, if you just simply read the story of Jesus, Jesus hung out with prostitutes, tax collectors, sinners, people who weren't Jewish. He broke every rule. And if you read the Bible, it was the religious leaders who he had a problem with. It was the religious leaders that he had beef with. If you read the Bible, it's the religious people that killed Jesus. It's not the sinners. The religious people hated him so much, the people who were for God hated him so much that they killed him. And it's just like, we got it backwards. We think that the church is supposed to be this hierarchical-like country club where we all put on our suits. And if you don't look like this, and if you dress like this, and if you wear earrings, and if you got tattoos, you can't come in. And it's like, yo, man, 
Y'all can keep that. I'm going to do my thing over here. The church is about being relatable. It's about being inclusive. And so now I'll answer your second question. The, I think the question was, how do you incorporate inclusivity? My answer would be, I don't. And what I mean by that is we're just inclusive. Like me telling certain people like, oh, you can't come or you don't have to leave. What would that look like? Me not being inclusive. I work for college students. It's a huge demographic of different races and denominations. I got people who come to my Bible studies who Muslim. Thank you for coming. We're so glad you're here. I love you. I hope this adds value to your life. It's, I don't even have a mindset to incorporate inclusivity. We're just inclusive. Because the Bible says the greatest commandment is love God and love people. My job is not to change anybody. That's not my job. The Holy Spirit is supposed to come into your life and change you into what he wants you to be. That's his job. My job is to introduce you to him. That's it. And whatever you do from there is totally on you. I got no judgment. I don't got a heaven or a hell to put you in. I don't have any harsh words for you. It's just, yo, I'm doing a Bible study at 7 o'clock. Whoever comes, we're going to feed you. We're going to love on you. We're going to talk about the Bible. And then we're going to go home. And if you want to talk to me deeper than that, here's my number. But outside of that, I'm assuming we all here because we're trying to get closer to God. Let's just do that together. And this is what I would tell anybody from a different demographic or a different background. The one thing I would say is you can come to God however you are. Like, you ain't got to change. You ain't got to get cleaned up. See, the church make us think you got to get cleaned up first. Most people would be like, I'm going to come to church. Let me get my life together first. That's what most people say to me. And I'm like, yo, that's so backwards. What I do tell anybody, whether they gay, different denomination, believe different things, whether they have different spiritual practices that I may not have, what I would say to them is to have an open posture with God. Yo, this is who I am. And whatever direction you want to lead me, whatever you want to change, whatever you want to improve, whatever you want to update, I'm down for that process. That's how we talk about with coaches. A coach will see something in you that you don't see. So, of course, God can. So many people just want to feel love. And the one place they feel like they should be able to get it, they don't. And it's just like I've devoted my entire life to just changing that whole narrative. Yo, man, like. So many, you know, it'd be so many people who, that come from different backgrounds, different beliefs, different lifestyle choices in our Bible studies. Who cares? It ain't even my job to change you or to judge you. As soon as I place a judgment, I'm wrong. Not you. Even the phrase incorporate inclusivity. Uh, and I know what you meant by that. But in my mind, it's like that infers that we weren't inclusive to begin with. I don't even want to have to incorporate it. We're going to represent inclusivity. Anybody is welcome at the cross. There's room at the cross for everybody. No, I love that. This is just a big thing in organizations on being intentional. There's just a lot of different ways that people are going about it. But if you have a traditional white, middle-aged, cis male, and he says, oh, I don't even need to think about inclusivity, it comes off differently, right? I would love to dive into that too. Like for instance, if you're welcoming a trans woman into your community and they prefer the pronoun she, her, and you accidentally use he, him, or someone else does, how would you address something like that? Oh, okay. Okay. Got you. So then we have to incorporate inclusivity, right? If someone comes and says she wants to be she, I would assume and hope that if that's what they say, anybody who rode with me knows we respect that and we honor that. That's just what we do. Now, in the case that they make a mistake and say he, when they prefer she, 
then I will have to go to them and say, hey, this person prefers she. We're going to respect and honor their wishes here. I would hope to not even have to say anything. I would hope that anybody who works in my organization knows we're going to respect exactly what they just said, period. No questions asked. It ain't even a question. If, yo, the person just said they want to be she, her. They're she, her, period. End of discussion. And if anybody didn't do that, then I would have to correct. This person just told you how they want to be addressed. Yeah. And for me, it's like very close to my heart being part of the queer community and in our national community. I love the way you incorporated that everybody's welcome, especially in the trans community, feeling like there isn't support and having a church and a practice is very hopeful and just feeling accepted and seen. You see people for all walks of life because you see them as who they are. You're beautiful. We can unite on one mission. I'm the same dude who walked in a church like, yo, man, I, I ain't with this church though. And walked out a pastor. I'm the same, you know what I mean? So I've seen too much just miraculous change and transformation to disqualify anybody. Like anybody is qualified for a relationship with God, in my opinion. Now some, a lot of church people would disagree with me. In the Bible, it goes this far. Jesus is on the cross, right? He's dying. There are two men being crucified with him on crosses as well. Well, the one on the left is throwing insults at Jesus, saying, you deserve to die. The guy on the right looks at Jesus. He's dying. He's five minutes from being dead and says, yo, man, I feel like you're the son of God. I feel like you're dying for no reason. I feel like what's being done to you is wrong. All I'm going to ask, yo, please just remember me. They're about to die in three minutes, Nicole. The Bible says Jesus looks at this man and says, yo, you coming to heaven with me today. This dude never went to church. He's dying. They're on the cross. Jesus looks at the guy and says, yo, just because you believe, you coming to heaven today. That messes up so many people's theology, right? We don't know if his heart was right. But because he looked at Jesus and said, yo, I believe that you're God and I believe that you're merciful, Jesus said, yo, today you coming with me. This dude died three minutes later. I believe religious people are going to be super surprised at who is in heaven and super surprised by who isn't. It's, yo, our judgments are so faulty. They're so superficial. Because, yo, when we all be by ourselves, we all know we ain't perfect. I just have a heart for people. You know what I'm saying, Nicole? I don't want to babble on, but I just have a heart for people who just feel, like, marginalized and just, like, unvalued and unworthy it's just like we're supposed to be the answer to that and a lot of times we the problem to that you know what i'm saying we further the problem with our being judgmental hierarchical and just phony let's say me and you right i'm sure there's something we disagree on but i truly believe that because both when me and you met we both live with love period we both just live with love i don't know you you don't know me but let's talk i believe that you would be more open to a disagreement from me now because we live with love. I know I'm more open to you disagreeing with me about something because we started with love. We friends. Now we can talk about anything and it won't affect our relationship because we live with love. And I just feel like that is supposed to be the role of the church. We're supposed to love people first. It's, the Bible never instructs us to change anybody because we can't. We can't. I can't change me, so I'm going to change you. I can't just stop sinning. Today, I can't. Eventually, I'm going to do it again. So if I can't change me, how am I going to 
put an expectation to change somebody else before you can come be with me. That's crazy. I love what you're doing. I love this platform that you're giving for people to talk and to have these types of conversations. Because, yo, a lot of stuff can be solved by just leading with love and having conversations. That's the thing at the end of the day, regardless of beliefs. And for me, I'm a spiritual creature who's still in discovery of what it looks like. Sure. I've grown up in Catholicism, Judaism. I've had all the different things. And I'm trying to discover what do I believe right now? I believe in growth. I believe yeah. in love. Yeah. As a common denominator is I know that I'm welcome there, even if I don't know where yes. my path is going. But I think that's the thing. Faith is blind. And one yes. of the things my mom always told me, I love this. And as I've gotten older in life, it's made me think even more. Nicole, I don't really care what you believe as long as you believe in something. Yeah. It's having belief. And sometimes the common denominator could just be yourself and then humanity. And there's beauty in getting together and having these discussions. And when you can truly see someone for who they are and love someone, then you do have discussions or disagreements. But that disagreement is where creativity really comes in. This is something I always ask. And this is what this platform is about, because this is what truly keeps me up at night. What if we led truly from love and seeing other people, not judging what they're thinking, even in politics? I'm not judging you what I think, but can you see me enough so that I can share what I believe? And then you can share what you believe too. And then let's have a conversation because yeah. we might just see things in, we might see things differently, but that's growth there because now I'm hearing how you're seeing it in a different way than I've seen before. Whether or not I agree with it, I'm still taking on information. And that information is giving me the power to grow. I might grow stronger in what my beliefs are based on information. Doesn't mean right. I love you any less unless you're an right. asshole, right. but I'm gonna grow stronger in my beliefs or my beliefs might start to change. Either way, guess what? Growth, boom, growth. It's end. I agree 100%. 100% with every word. I don't even have anything to add to that. I agree with every word. So here's another thing I have to ask, especially when it comes to being seen. I love to talk about facts. Like I'm a big researcher. So when I do things, I'm really thinking about what is going on in society? What is going on in business today? And so I found this article by Deloitte in a 2023 digital media trends report. And it talks about digital media not being just a source of entertainment. Deloitte says that it offers utility, fosters community, and supports emotional needs. They also went on in this survey to show that younger generations are gravitating towards more interactive and social experiences, places and spaces where they can escape into other worlds, find community, share what and who inspires them, and co-create adventures by bringing their friends along for the ride, which I thought was just a beautiful thing. And I love that Deloitte is taking this very innovative approach to everything. But I would love to talk about you because you do use social and digital media as an outlet to spread the word. So can you talk about that process and how you utilize it and why you utilize it? Yes, man, that's a great question. Social media to me is far past entertainment. To me, one of the primary functions I see with social media is it's literally a news media outlet now. Like I get the majority of my news from social media. Like it's not just entertaining me, it's keeping me informed on what's happening in the world. If there's a tragedy that happens in Nashville, the first place I see it is in social media. If I want to get an update on a sports event, the first place I go 
It's social media. It's not a newspaper. It's not a magazine. I love how Deloitte put it because social media is fostering so many needs of the young people, right? So, of course, you have entertainment. There's funny videos and games. Of course, you have that part. Then you have the news factor where it's like if something happens, the first thing a young person is going to do before they go to CNN.com, they're probably going to go to the shade room. They're going to figure out on social media what's happening. But then Deloitte talked about fostering community, right? That's a big part of it is that social media is a way for us to bring people together in different places. And it talked about fostering community and then creative outlets. I use my social media as a platform to spread my message. I literally give out my Instagram now more than my number, which is crazy to say for people who are eight. Say, for instance, right, this Sunday at my church, we're honoring college graduates, right? Anybody who's graduating this year, we're going to do a whole thing to honor them. Yo, to get the word out, I literally just got on my Instagram and said, hey, we're honoring college graduates this Sunday. Send me your name, your headshot, and your major, and we will honor you on Sunday. I've gotten over 100 responses. I didn't take out an ad. I didn't send out a text message. I didn't call nobody. We didn't do a huge campaign around it. I just made a simple 60-second video. I always say this. I tie a lot of stuff back to the Bible, but Jesus said, he said, you're going to do greater stuff than I do. Now, how do you do greater stuff than Jesus did? He literally raised people from the dead. What does that mean? I think what Jesus was literally saying is that you're going to have technology that I don't have in the future. That's going to allow you to exponentially cover more ground. So if Jesus wanted to get a message out, he had to stand on a hill and just start talking. And hopefully people heard that he was talking. He could talk to 400, 500, 4,000, 5,000 people, right, at one time from a hill. But then the people six miles to the left couldn't hear it. And people 30 miles south had no clue he was talking. Now I can get on my social media, and there are people from Africa. There are people from Ireland. There are people from South America who send me DMs like, yo, man, thank you for your ministry. I'm tapped in. I'm watching what you guys are doing. We give out scholarships every year. Somebody from Ghana applied for a scholarship. We sent him $1,000 in Ghana. He just knows me through my social media. He literally is, yo, I'm a part of your college ministry, but I'm in Ghana. But I'm tapped into everything you're doing. We're streaming it. And to me, social media is a means of connectivity. It's actually scary how powerful it is. Because I don't think we'll ever go back to a world without social media. There's no way to go backwards. Community is the big thing, right? You can find your tribe on social media. Because you can control who you follow and who you don't. No, 100%. Right. So your timeline is exactly who you want to see and what community you want to be a part of. And whoever steps outside of that, you can follow them in two seconds. It literally allows you to create the exact community that you want. My social media has completely gone into a, a messaging tool, right? If I'm doing an event, if we're doing a special initiative, if we're trying to gain support for a certain community of uh, we use our social media to foster a community. So now, whenever I do a Bible study, I just put it on Instagram and 100 people show up. Churches who aren't incorporating social media, who aren't incorporating multimedia, churches who aren't doing podcasts, churches who aren't shooting in 4K. It's like, yo, you got to get with the times, yo. You got to get with the times. This is how you attract the people of this generation. It's through social media and multimedia excellence. That's like really a goal of mine is just creative presentation. That's why I said my bio, like creative presentation is one of the tools I use 
to represent my agenda. And it helps, it helps in a major way. Thank you for sharing. It's so amazing how you could take a message and post it on social media. And within 24 hours, you're getting DMs, you're getting signups and everything. You found this path and you're killing it. You legit are an influencer, legitimately. But how did you get there? You can help give me advice because I'm starting out on social media. It's something I've not wanted to do. It's not something I love to do, but I love to help people. What are some tips that you could give if you want to create the followers in a way that's really going to serve your mission? Yeah, it's really just consistency and quality. It's just those two things. Consistency and quality. You want to post stuff that's shot with a camera. Now, if I got to get something out quick, I'm going to do it with my phone. But it doesn't help my brand to have a bunch of cell phone videos up there. When you got Instagram influencers shooting in 4K with cameras. Now, you might not be able to afford a good camera. So maybe what you want to do now, you might have a good phone. Maybe you just get a gimbal, right? You get the gimbal with the three legs. You can set your phone on it and shoot on the gimbal. People can tell when you're holding your phone. People yeah. can tell when your phone is on the ledge of your window. But with something shot with a gimbal, you can shoot it in portrait mode. A lot of people got these very fancy phones. So quality is important. If you're talking, you want captions. It's just successful people have captions. People can read what you're saying while they're listening to what you're saying. But consistency is the biggest thing. I don't care if you got 1,000 followers, 6,000 followers, 600 followers. Consistency is going to equal growth. You have to be consistent in your message and your posting, right? So if you post consistently, but your message keeps changing, people are like, I don't really know. I don't know what I'm getting from this. When you have a certain level of quality and match that with a certain level of consistency, it's going to produce fruit. Now, the other thing about how I got 11 or 10,000, I don't know, 10,000 followers. I think you're I even higher followers. than that now, buddy. <laughs> the way I got my followers is literally through affecting different demographics, right? So my followers are across multiple communities. Everybody on my follower list don't go to church. I'm from D.C., I moved to Florida. Now I'm in Nashville. So that has helped me create multiple demographics, but I'm also a multi-faceted, right? So I was in the music industry. I was in the TV and film industry. I've been in the church industry. I'm in the higher education industry, right? So there are certain people I meet that are just aren't really believers, but I work at colleges. So there's a higher education aspect to it. Then there are believers who follow then I post music stuff sometimes. So there's a music demographic. Then, of course, my family follows me. And I have these networks across three different major cities. And so that has helped as well. But that doesn't matter if I don't post consistently, if I don't make sure my quality is right. Sometimes, yo, to make a reel, it would take 30 minutes to edit it down, make sure my clips are flowing right, add transitions, find the right music to put under it, bring the control down. And social media... It's a weird game, but it does honor those who are consistent. And I didn't start off with a lot of followers. I started off with 2,000 followers. My wife tells me all the time, when I met you, I had more followers than you. It's just like consistency in your messaging, driving differently. I'm not even just saying that. Be different. So I think one thing that works for me that helps me gain a following is I'm a pastor who don't seem like a cookie cutter box pastor, right? Yeah. So when you do something differently, it creates intrigue. This dude's pastor. He got braids and earrings and tattoos. He wore Jordans and jeans with rips in them. This dude's a pastor. Sometimes that intrigue would just gain eyes to allow your content 
which is of quality and consistent to break through into a follow. So that's just like a couple quick tips. I do know if you got 500 followers now and you post quality content consistently for three months, you will not have 500 followers. You just won't. If I get to 500, I'm throwing a party and you're invited. We're going to get you to 500. Trust me, we're going to get you to 500. It's very interesting to hear your story of how you gain this momentum and you're using it for good. This is what I talk about with my clients is impact strategy. I'm not doing the things that I'm doing because I want to make money. I'm doing it because I'm bringing impact. So if you change the way that you market, which digital is marketing, social media is marketing, if you change it from marketing to impact marketing, all of a sudden, the way you're going about doing something, it changes. It changes your mentality. I'm doing it to make an impact. And I thought it was really cool when you were talking about all the different groups that you're in. I break this down for my clients saying, okay, when you're thinking about your consumers, talking about the different groups of psychological, where they live geographical and different things like that, it makes you also think about from a social aspect of what are the interests that you have? Where have you lived? What interests do you do? People don't know that I'm really into book folding and crafts and uh, paper art and all this weird shit. And right now I'm succulent growing, trying to propagate my succulents. It's all about intentionality, right? You're spreading intentionality in your message, but you're also being intentional about how you show up, when you're you show such, up. You're such a multifaceted person that you can do content about the crafts. You can do content about the plants. You can do content about your relationship. You got two hilarious kids. You can do that. You have different aspects of your personality that you can market that show that you're an interesting person. So it's really about just capitalizing on all of those things. Don't just let them be hobbies. Let them be different characteristics of a whole person. I love it. Faceted, dynamic person who you should be following. Shit, that's some quotable stuff right there. Right. You basically mic drop, but unfortunately, if you're good, I love to ask all of these amazing people I'm interviewing. It's called the Thrive in Five. It's five questions that I've come up with. So the first one I have, my company is all about bringing impact and quirk into work, especially because I'm weird and goofy. So I would love to know how do you bring your quirk into work? Ooh, how do I bring my quirk into work? All right, so two things came to mind. One, I'm like you. I'm like a ball of energy, right? It could be like a simple message. Hey, guys, come to Bible study tonight. But I'm like, yo, tonight, Bible study. I bring my energy into everything I do. So people know me for being super energetic. And then another thing I like to do, like my wife makes fun of me for this, but I like wearing super bright colors. Like I wear graphic socks every single day. I got some on right now. I wear bright polka dot socks and socks with pandas on them. I love that. Okay, so the next question is, who is doing something outside of the box that inspires you and why? My answer is actually won't be funny. I don't know if you have heard of a little dicky. I haven't. Okay. There's a rapper named Lil Dicky. He's a white, Jewish, and he's like super white, super Jewish type dude, right? He has a new show on FX called Dave, right? But he inspires me because he, he's a rapper, but he's white, right? Yeah. So like he does this whole like comedy rap thing. And I, I love music. His raps are like funny, but he's also really good. And he like has finessed this into a TV show. And his show is so funny. And he has found a way, like, 
he is the least hip hop dude ever. Hip hop is all about being tough. You come from, he's funny, but his raps are actually really good to the point where he got this new TV show. And so he's found a way to an industry that would never accept somebody like him. His talent and his preparation and his messaging to be so hilarious, but also executed well. His show, I'll be crying watching his show. Yo, just go watch Hulu and watch Dave. And his show is built around his rap career, but it's all of these funny relationships he has. But it inspires me because I watched the interview about him. And he said in the interview that he used to work at a marketing company in San Francisco. He's like a grown man just working at a marketing company and decided, I don't want to do this no more. I just want to go for music. He invested a year to shoot a bunch of music videos. So he prepared for a year before he jumped in, working at a marketing company. His first video he put out got like 100 million views. He had enough music to drop every month after that. And it just exploded his career in one year. So that was like super inspiring to me. One, that he had the courage to leave a great marketing job. I'm sure he was making pretty good money. Prepare for a year for something that he didn't even know if it would work. And once his music took off, he was able to parlay that and combine comedy and music to create this like genre that like really he's the only one in. It's no one else does this. So check out Lil Dicky. His show is called Dave. Hey, Little Dicky, we see you. We Lil see Dickie, you. We can do a bro. podcast with you. Come Lil on Dickie, in. We can we do three. See you, bro. We see you. And I think you'll crack up. I know your personality. Oh, yeah. No, I'm all about it. I actually love rewriting songs into funny poems about work. It's my thing. Yeah, I like that. So you got one right now? I do have one about a blog. It's like for Whitney Houston. What's a blog got to do? Got to do with it. What's a blog? But an act of self-promotion. What's a blog got to do? Got to do with it. Who needs a blog when words can be spoken? <laughs> Who needs a blog when words can be spoken? <laughs> Yo, that's funny. Yo, that's funny. So I love doing that kind of stuff because when I get mad about stuff I have to do that or takes me a long time to do, I start writing poems about it. It's part of my procrastination technique. Yo, which I do have a podcast about procrastination, which people can check out too. All right. All right. Back to you, my friend. We got three more. Real quick. When was the last time you did something for the first time and what was it? Ooh. When was the last time I did something for the first time? Last week. So my wife is from Chicago. I had never been to Chicago. So we've been married for a year and a half now. And my wife's always, you got to go to Chicago. You got to go to Chicago. We got to go to Chicago. My wife swears Chicago has the best food, right? She's always talking about this food from Chicago. Oh, Chicago got the best food. Oh, our pizza's better. Oh, our pasta. I'm like, ah, ah, whatever. So she gets invited to speak at like some national education conference or something in Chicago. Babe, I'm going to Chicago. They paying for my hotel. Just come with me. I'm like, all right, cool. I literally had to be in Florida the next day. So I flew to Chicago for one day. Never been. Just to say I went. We go to Chicago. We're going to all her like food spots. So she took me to this place, Portillo's. So I tried the Italian beef at Portillo's. And she took me to the Starbucks Reserve. It's only five of these in the whole world. Like this giant five-story Starbucks. And so I got to experience like Chicago for the first time. Eat like a lot of the native Chicago foods. It's this place called Uwe. It's like a soul food restaurant there that's like the best soul food restaurant. Apparently they got the best 
lamb chops or whatever. I went to Chicago for the first time last week with my wife, ate a bunch of the Chicago staple food items, and it was amazing. That's the last oh, time I did this time. That is amazing. I love that. All right, next one. If you were to write an autobiography right now, what would be the last sentence in your book? This is going to be deep. Let's go. The last sentence would be, everything you have just read was not an autobiography of the life of Christian, but a biography on the goodness of God. Oh, I love it. Bars. Boom. I would drop the mic, but I need it for my last question. <laughs> I love it. I love it. That's what I love about you. You are deep. You think and you feel so hard and you love hard and it's you love freaking hard. All right. Last question. Oh, God. Ready? What does it mean to you to thrive differently? Thrive differently means having the courage and the conviction to live in the difference that you were created in. When I look at my head, I have a fingerprint that nobody else on the planet has. God was so intentional to create us all so differently. Seven billion people. Nobody has this fingerprint. And nobody has the gifts that you have, the talent, the insight, the creativity, the purpose, the calling. And so thrive differently means understanding that my difference is what makes me beautiful. My difference is what makes me necessary. And not just doing it, but doing it with a sense of courage and purpose and pride, knowing that what I'm doing is needed in the world. If it wasn't needed, I wouldn't be here. That's what Thrive Differently means to me. Okay, I definitely have tears in my eyes. And I think you are 100% an example of that every way. And people are going to see that. Just hearing, they're going to see it or they're going to hear it. And I'm so freaking honored to have you and have had this time with you. So please, Christian, please tell everyone where they can find you and how to get in touch with you. Man, I first want to one-up you and tell you this was 100% my honor when you invited me to be on this podcast. It didn't matter what day, what time, I was going to be here because I love having conversations with you, your entire family. It's like a family to me. I love your boys. But everyone can find me. My Instagram is the new Christian. Three simple words. The new Christian. Most of my social media is through my Instagram because I'm just too old. I can't do TikTok and Twitter. I just can't. I got to do one. Okay. My Facebook is Chris Cannon with one N. And you got anybody can reach out to me, DM me. We can start a conversation. I'm not bougie. I'm not uppity. Whoever want to talk, let's talk, let's build, let's create community. I love you guys so much. Oh, man. We love you. I love you. This has been unbelievable. And I am just so thankful because I think you have just shown we really like one of the things that I love to say is that greatness, it's something that we create. Yeah. It's something that we create. And that's the whole thing is like, how can we create it together? It's one conversation at a time. This conversation is such conviction. We're on that right path. And it's finding your people. And you're my people, man. Don't make me cry, sis. I, I know, love- right, bro? I'm about to, we got to wrap this up here. But I thank you it. so much for being thank on this show. We love you. And please follow Christian wherever. Get on social media. Find him in Nashville. 
or you can stream it too, right? You stream your services. So it doesn't matter. You can be anywhere in the world. Stream our services. If you go to my Instagram, there's a link tree in my bio. You can stream all my music, all of our services, our sermons. Tap in with us. Awesome. Thank you so much.